podcast for Monday, October 12th, take two. Hello. First time was a practice, was a dry run. <laughs> um, hey, it's Eric and Alex. A couple of minutes hey. before four o'clock. Um, we've got a prize, Toledo Zoo tickets. Uh, there will be a question in this podcast, and the answer will also be there. First one to text that answer to 419-240-1055 later on in the podcast will win the tickets for uh, for the zoo. And I also have a lot of things to give away on the on the on-air show as well. So uh, lots to give away and lots, lots to do here on a Monday. Hello, dear. Hey. Hello. All right. So for the second time, I'm trying to track down an answer for a question I have about some Biden video from here today making the rounds. But first... Um, don't ever try to Google. Don't, don't ever try to go on YouTube and get a political ad because all you'll, all you'll get is the analysis of or people discussing said political ad. So you know about this Fauci commercial, right? I do, but I'm more shocked that people do analysis of analysis of political ads. That's not fun. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, this is the second time I've tried to look up a political ad. The first one was probably like uh, a, the one with black people saying they're for Trump. And I just, oh, I couldn't I believe it. it. So I wanted to see if it existed. So this one is Dr. Fauci. It's a, tr- it's a Trump commercial. And Dr. Fauci saying, I can't see how anybody could have done a better job or something to that effect. So I saw this watching football yesterday and I scratched my head. I'm like, clearly this is this is out of context or something because right. they've been battling since since the outset of the pandemic. And sure enough, I looked it up and it's I can't find the commercial. It's I think actually one Fox News YouTube video with the entirety where Fauci is saying, we're working on this day and night. My phone is always ringing. We're all connected. I can't imagine more people doing whatever was said in the commercial. So the context is there and it's, it's, it just pins the bullshit meter. And I hope people who are even for Trump go, how fucking stupid do you think we are? I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm just like, he continues to insult his base and insult the people who support him by doing things like this. We're not, not we, I am not in that base. Um, They're not it's like they're not stupid and you continue to just insult them <laughs> by by doing things like this. And it's like we all know that's out of context. We all know the tension between you and Fauci. He would never say that. Never. Yeah. Like you I know. said, don't try to find the commercial because you won't. Maybe they took it down. Or I'm, If you look up Trump Fauci commercial, I scrolled down plenty and I couldn't find the commercial itself. It was just all the analysis and clearly what I was looking for. But um, so Biden was here today. It was a quick in and out. Uh, Marcy Kaptur spoke. Uh, the mayor spoke for a second and and Biden spoke and he did take a shot. He did reference that commercial. So it was on oh. his radar as well. And uh-huh. nothing, nothing too notable. Um, and I just I didn't see it. I just read the uh I read the context, or I went to WTOL.com, and, and they were kind of doing, you know, a, a live blog of it. Um, nothing too earth-shattering, mm-hmm. but I see, uh, I see a video that's going around, and Biden saying, you know, I am choosing, I am the Democratic, I'm the Democratic candidate for Senate. 
Oh, Jesus. So people, I Google, I, I searched it on Twitter, and it's every pro-Trump person saying, how can you possibly have this man who does not have it all together in office? So I sent a DM to somebody going, is this out of context? Or did he have a some kind of some kind of slip? And you know what? Did he? I, I don't know. I'm waiting to hear back. Oh, okay. Um, on lesser stuff, how was Backpacks for Humans yesterday? You know what? I was actually getting a call from Nate as we were starting our intro. Backpacks for Humans was really nice. Um, it he got they got a great turnout of both volunteers and of individuals who were needing. Um, you know, backpacks with essential items in them. And Nate had um, a medical team there. So there was something like a dozen doctors that had set up booths to help, I want to say like six people at a time. I mean, I saw a gentleman getting some old stitches taken out of his head or staples and another gentleman getting his like foot looked at literally right there, you know, right there. The only (laughs) the only struggle was that the weather was supposed to be really nice and it had said as much all the way up until that day and even when I was leaving to to come grab my things and then go down there and start setting up um, the weather was beautiful and then when we got there it was like the dark clouds start rolling in all the wind comes and then boom it's cold it was it was that's the only it was really windy i needed we needed to get boxes to hold down our tablecloth and stuff but it was really great seeing all those people down there and there was music and there was stew provided by el tipico um and it was great it was really nice for those that don't know uh backpacks for humans is something we've talked about on the podcast before uh nate Welke, it's his brainchild, uh, trying to help out the homeless and give them backpacks so that they can make their life a little bit more survivable on the streets. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah, that was exactly right. Yep. So they got, re- I mean, and they got, they had so many items donated to them, though, that they were able to stuff the backpacks, which they did on Saturday. And they had a U-Haul full of backpacks and people were lined up to grab them. And then they had another line where you could then take your backpack and fill it with even more essential items. So hoodies, um, milkshake, like, you know, those like uh, protein shakes, um, granola, water, Gatorade, all sorts of stuff. It was it was nuts. And then obviously there was food provided and there was medical care that you could get and there was a band. Um, something that we've talked about before, I feel fine talking about it on the podcast. You've never shied away from anything. This is Nate's second big, very successful event. Were you pleased? And I think you said it was there the first time as well. Were you pleased with, um, like secondary support of like, these backpacks are great, but here's another step to, to remove you from this problem you're you're in. Um, that's what we were there for. So yes, so that was, that was what I was there in my professional capacity to do. So we had our table and we, I brought one of our, um, staff that is responsible for homeless outreach, um, who came the last time I was, I did an event with them. It was just me or this time I actually brought one of the gentlemen that goes out into the community at five, six in the morning to the encampments and starts the housing assessment or gets them, um, transferred to a mental health provider to get some, you know, to get an assessment done. So I brought the actual person, um, that they would need to speak to. And we made a lot of contact. I think we had something like 200 brochures and we're able to pass out all of them. 
Um, and so, yes, yeah, so while they had backpacks for essential items, they had us there. And, and when I say Nate and that some of the organizers, Brandy um, and Jade, lovely Jade, Queen Jade. Um, She's not that lovely. I love Jade. <laughs> was, <laughs> was Connor there? No, not that I saw. Okay. I did not get to meet Connor. Connor, but, look, Connor looks homeless. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I saw anybody named Connor with, with Jade, but they would actually go get people that were kind of walking around or that they were talking to earlier and walk them over to me and introduce them to us and get them connected. So um, it, we, were the, we were there then providing them that resource so that they can start the process to get out of homelessness. Good. Because... Mm-hmm. There's like a, like an ounce in a gallon of water of enabling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that there's kind of a, a tacit tit for tat. Like, mm-hmm. here, be safe. Have this. Stay alive. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. here's some paperwork for you so you can never have to come to one of these ever again. It's like when I say, you know, it, it's completely unrealistic. It's, it's, it's a total pipe dream like mm-hmm. i want to end all these walks like it would be great if less people came to the out of the darkness walk that means we're beating suicide yeah. unfortunately that's not how it works but it would be great to have these events i think nate's ultimate goal should be for these to not happen because mm-hmm. that that then we've given a good uppercut to homelessness and i would say well so this but one thing i will say is that nate and jay i can speak for nate and jade because i have most contact with them they are really eager to also understand so they reach out to me to ask questions, to toss out some ideas. Yesterday, when we were making contact with individuals and providing them with housing resources, Nate and Jade wanted to um, shadow that process. So they wanted to Good. stand there and listen to how, you know, what kind of questions do we ask, which are, hi, what's your name? How are you doing? Are you currently housed? No, I'm not housed. Okay, can you tell me where you slept last night? Are you safe? Those kinds of things. So. Um, they wanted to hear how that process went because I think that they're really eager to understand. But one thing that I said to him yesterday um, that I think is something that needs to be spoken about more is a lot of what Nate is doing is a process of is is a model of harm reduction. So because some people don't want to be housed, there are some people and I know it sounds nuts, like who would want to sleep in the street? There are people who who will choose not to be housed. They would rather um, sleep in the streets because that's what they know, or they would rather live in the way that they have always lived. And so what Nate is doing and having opportunities like that, while you don't want to continue to have to reasons to have to do something like that, there are, there are a small percentage of people that will not be interested in housing and would rather live in the way that they are living now, but having opportunities for them to get essential items, for them to get some medical care, um, for them to get some food or or things to prepare them for the winter, that's going to be really helpful for them and could be vital to, you know, their health throughout the next uh, season. So I I don't think we'll ever be able to solve homelessness while we want to, um, because there's, there's going to be some people where it's just going to be their choice. It, it just will. And yeah. so that's when harm reduction comes in where we're like, okay, well, let me see what we, let's do what we can to make sure that you're at least healthy and safe, um, you know, while you're choosing to live how you'd like. Well, I'm glad that they're kind of shadowing you because I don't know if Nate, ha- ha- since I've known him, has ever had a real job. <laughs> you know what? Me either. <laughs> I've known him to be at Rust Belt. That was when yes. I met Nate, when he was at Rust Belt, and he was there all the time. 
Um, and then I kind of knew him to take on the Hyperloop stuff. And I feel like that is a job. Um, but I don't know, like, I don't know. I mean, I, what he, I do know he owns properties. Okay. Well, good. So, <laughs> so there's that, but yeah. Um, but I will say where I, what I'm very grateful is that I feel like they ha- they're coming from the right place and both Nate and Jade are extremely eager to understand and want to know what's happening and really want to make some changes more more than just like see look at us look what we're doing with this movement now we're doing this and now we're you know they really do want to know and understand and make a difference i can vouch for that as well uh i don't know if i know them i probably know jade better just because i know because she lived in my building for for, for lack of oh, she did? It. well she was with connor who was matt matt's son and there'd be times like uh, there was one time um, I went up to go walk Abby. Abby is a dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know that, that Connor and Jade were there. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God that you weren't having sex. Uh, <laughs> so we have that relationship. But I know that some people might see Nate as this, like, wannabe influencer but mm. his heart, like you said, his heart is in the right place. He just has a great sense of humor and a great way to convey his message. And that's why this has been so successful in such a short period of time. Exactly. He's got a fantastic sense of humor and he does have a, a following of in, of individuals who have the resources to be able to go to the store and spend a hundred bucks on backpacks to donate. I can't do that shit, but I'm, I'm glad that, you know, he has a, a I don't want to even say a following. He has people in his life that can see something that he's doing and want to be want to join in and 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 help um i agree like i've only ever known him as hyperloop nate and i found it fascinating but then at the same time the amount of passion he has behind that because of what it could bring to the city of toledo you know it's this it's kind of the same thing so i think i know he has good intentions and he has good in his heart so this is just a, a reflection of that and again um I say this, it's tongue-in-cheek, but I mean it. The Hyperloop is like a panacea. I appreciate his ambition for all that stuff. There's just so much out of his hands with that whole project. Mm-hmm. This is something This mm-hmm. is something tactile. Like, this is yeah. touchable. And, like, the enthusiasm that he and Jade have put into this thing in, like, three short months is yeah. incredible. It Meanwhile, is. like, he loves this Hyperloop thing. I just don't know, no pun intended, it'll ever get off or under the ground with all the energy <laughs> out there because there's so many moving parts. This backpacks granola bars people in the community bang it's a great idea i agree i mean i'm certainly not going to be getting in no hyperloop for the first couple of years that it's in running if i'm alive right Right. (laughs) you know i will i'll pass but backpacks i'd be happy to be a part of that um i'm gonna try to retrace the timeline here um 3.45 3.45 a.m. Saturday is when Bethany's child, Madigan, her daughter, Madigan Nicole, Madigan. Uh, finally was birthed, came to life. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Did I get that time right? Uh, she messaged us at 6 a.m., so I think so. So that would have given her enough time. That would have given her enough time because she was born via C-section. 
So that would have given them enough time to get her back to the room and comfy and cozy so she could start using her phone. Because that child refused to come out. So <laughs> let, let's, <laughs> let's, stay with, let's stay with 3.45 a.m. And somebody named... That's when I was born. The podcast. Actually, and you know what? Tomorrow, we're going to do Janet tomorrow. Okay. Um, and I want Janet to do a reading for Madigan. What she always... I need time of birth. I need time of birth. Mm-hmm. Well, we got like fresh time of birth. Mm-hmm. So we'll go with 3.45 a.m. Yeah, well, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome Madigan Nicole, born at 3.41 a.m. by C-section, 7 pounds, 8 ounces, and 21 inches long. And I think that this was a total shot at me. She has hair. <laughs> it was not a shot at you. Babies are born bald. Like, <laughs> babies look like little aliens when they come out of the womb. I so when, you're, when your kid has hair, and at least in my eyes, I feel like they're automatically a couple points cuter than if they were just straight up like wrinkly and bald, like looked like a little bald bald cat or mole rat or something like that. So, and I heard, again, speaking from a woman who has never been pregnant, pregnant, aspirations though, um, I heard when your kid has hair, that means you had a ton of heartburn when you were pregnant or you had some issues, <laughs> like, <laughs> allegedly. Somebody tell me if that's right. Somebody, somebody comment. Well, she had a pretty seamless pregnancy so much so that a week before her due date she's out <laughs> partying at hamburger mary's and uh but she had nothing and i guess she got it all in one swoop because i did you listen to the podcast on friday i d- i listened yeah i listened to a decent a fair amount so if i got the timeline here right she went into labor and I thought Philip and I were, we were obviously very ignorant, but we asked questions we wanted answers to or we mm-hmm. thought it would be helpful. As the woman was in labor while she refused to not podcast, but they went to the hospital like seven o'clock on Thursday night and Madigan finally came out 3.41 a.m. Saturday mm-hmm. morning. That's yep. like that's 30, a long time. 36 hours of labor. That's a really long time. I think that's on the longer end of labor oh, times yeah. for like kids and their moms. But um, yeah, yeah. So I, because I remember um, when we were on the podcast last week, I said she's gonna have her baby Friday morning. I'm, let's take bets. And then as she went in, as she was having some challenges Thursday night, that's when I was like, oh my god, she might actually have her kid Friday morning. Well, she didn't. And uh, the only thing she didn't have on Friday morning besides Madigan was her earbuds, because um, <laughs> she, she was on her phone and, and it was echoey and I was like, I don't know if we can do this. Like I'll pass along, but it just, it might, it might not sound real listenable. And yeah. She's like, hold on, hold on. The nurse is coming to get my AirPods or whatever. She, like that girl. The dedication is real. For real. Like I, like I said on the Facebook post today, this is not a paying gig for any of us. So the dedication is real. And so God, like God bless the folks who cross Madigan cause her mama, <laughs> Her mama loves who she loves and loves what she does, so she'll probably come for you. I texted her today. I was like, do you need anything? She's like, I need to go home. They won't let me leave yet. Oh, because of her C-section? I guess so. Ooh. Mm. So I found it fascinating, and in our group text, it was actually really funny for me, for us to all joke about what her baby's personality was going to be like based on how her labor has been going. And I'm like, her kid is like totally Danny DeVito in the womb. Like, mm-mm, not coming out. Nope. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Well, mm-mm. Whoever, whoever, whoever said, why would anybody want to enter this living, this existence in 2020? Whoever said that. <laughs> I think it was Ashley. 
Yeah. She she wins the group text for uh, for Bethany's pregnancy or her yeah. Bethany's delivery. That was um, a good time. Other health things, uh, small things. So I got my test on Friday, Sunday, in, in no time at all, like they said. I got mm-hmm. the email, and uh, my test was negative for COVID. Very good. Very good. Did you... When, when did you get yours again? Uh, the 16th of September. What was it for again? I had a COVID-positive employee. That's right. I did. I had an employee's test positive. I did not have direct contact with them at the time that we found out they were COVID positive, but I did have contact with them um, a couple weeks prior where I was suspecting they may have contracted COVID. So COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, So I just for my own peace of mind, I said, let me let me get it. And so I went to Walgreens. It was super easy. I was in the next day, got my COVID test results the same day. How how they do the explain how your test was done? So I it was a drive through. So I drove. Um, they have a designate. They have signs that tell you where you go to get your COVID test done. So I drove um, to the designated area, and I had to keep my window up the entire time. So I, while I will admit I didn't love how it was done because I felt like I was I felt like we were in outbreak like a movie, and I was being treated like I was already diseased. I get it. I totally understand, but I just didn't like it. So I had to have my window up and a guy walked to the car and he tried to yell at me through my window, asked for my ID. And I said, well, my windows are tinted, like very tinted. And he's like, oh, I'll figure it out. That's okay. Put your ID on the window, like slap it on the window. Like you got pulled over. Yeah, like I got pulled over. So I slapped my ID on the window. He checked me in and he's like, okay, now you're going to pull forward. And there was like two cars in front of me. So I just had to wait. And so you pull forward and there's another gentleman that's standing six feet away from you. And they're in full on like lab gear. So they have on like an actual, they didn't have on just a shirt and pants. Like they had on those things that you zip up. Um, and, um, they had a mask and then a, uh, shield over their face. And so he was standing six feet apart and he was just explaining to me what was about to happen. But what they did was they also had signs that were next to your car telling you what was going to happen. So while you were waiting for the next person, you can be reading and watching. So it was super simple. So he made me roll the window up and he stood at a distance and tried to yell at me what was about to happen. And then he pushed the cart. He pushed a cart up to my car. And he said, when I push the cart to your car and I walk away, then you can roll the window down and grab your swab. And I had to swab myself. And he watched just to make sure I did it properly and then had to put it in myself, put it back on the cart, close my window. And then he came and got the cart and then I drove off. All right, sit tight. I got to do a quick traffic. We'll come back to right there. Okay. All right. We're back. Um, I don't want to. So I did exactly the same thing, except Mm -hmm. my drive through test. I went in to tell them that I was here. And they're like, you have to go back out to your car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was no safety suit or anything like that. I got the whole two inches in my window. What Mm -hmm. I want to know is, um, what did you shove up your nose and how far did it go? I shoved what looked like a Q-tip. It was a cotton swab up my nose. 
he told me I only had to go like an inch in and I like really around the edges of my nose, but just for, for my own. And maybe, maybe I got it. Maybe I didn't get a pause. Like maybe I did it wrong, but I was like, no, that can't be right. So I stuck it further up my nose just for my own sanity, which what made me, my nose tickle. And then I sneezed and he was totally annoyed by that. Um. That's what she was. So. <laughs> same same thing no 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 uh it wasn't touching my my uh my hypothalamus it wasn't mm-hmm. t- touching my amygdala or anything like that it was nope. just my giant mm-hmm. nostril and i had to kind of like move it around like you and then i had to do the other nostril and then the woman did say um she backed up she's like this could make you sneeze and i was like ah, i don't sneeze i've tried that pepper trick all the time like tom and jerry <laughs> shit but whatever that material is whatever that brush thing is it's on the end of it Yep, yep, yep. It makes you want to sneeze. It did. It, yeah, it made me. It definitely made me sneeze. Um, my one of my coworkers went as well. We went at the exact same time, and so he was getting his test done behind me, and he sneezed also. Um, so it's just. I mean, but it wasn't uncomfortable for me at all. It just made my eyes water, and then made me sneeze. But it didn't didn't go way up in the back. I don't even think they're doing. Are they even doing those tests anymore? Like, have we advanced beyond that? Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't think so. Now, now my only concern is, did I check the right box? Because there were two boxes mm-hmm. about how much I was going to get charged. Because, and I and I try to be as detailed and diligent as possible when it comes to any kind of medical bill. Because mm-hmm. um, every all the nightmares that people had have now, I went through like ten years ago. So I like to fancy myself a bit of an amateur expert because. So I called my insurance and they're like, it's a hundred percent covered. I had a friend last week who said she did one. Um, her test was covered. Her office visit was not. So mm. th- this lady said, you don't need a visit do you. I said, Nope, just the test. All right. So we're clear there, but the test is free. They'll says $99 for the test, 99 for the lab work. So I'm hoping the lab is covered as well. And that I checked the right box. Most likely. I mean, I still, the way that my billing works is I'll get billed for something and they'll and I'll still get a bill, but they will also show where the um, they will show where the charge was, like where my insurance covered it. So it would say you got charged two hundred and fifty dollars for your lab work. And then it'll say your insurance covered two hundred and forty five of that, you know, so I'll well, pay whatever my, the balance is. My insurance better have covered the test and the lab work. If not. Yeah. Fuck. It's my bad. I, I mean that I I was very impressed at Walgreens. I didn't pay a dime. Like I didn't get I didn't have to give any information regarding my insurance, no medical information, and it was a free test and I got my results the same day. I mean it was so good that I'm like, ooh, is this is this like accurate? <laughs> I, know, I hope it's accurate. <laughs> I know we, we were all trying to figure stuff out. Um and, and, and I continue to say we're as knowledgeable as we've ever been about this. It's not so novel anymore. You know what you got to do. And even then things aren't hundred percent, but now we're at like six weeks, maybe mm-hmm. eight weeks until we found out something new that has been troubling us with this. There's still more to learn, but mm-hmm. when did I go to the doctor? Maybe in June, maybe I went in June and I said, can I get a COVID test or an antibody test? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would have gotten charged and I bet you that there are people that have that were tested back in the springtime or early summer, and they had to pay. Now, there's I don't think that there's anybody that actually has to pay for one as long as they go through what they need to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a I, like 
if you really ha- if there was really a concern for COVID, then I feel like I could understand that you going and doing something like that. I fought against it. There were a couple times where I was concerned. I I even gave my I remember giving my mom a hard time. She's like, I'm gonna go get a COVID test, and I was like, why? <laughs> Like, you've been in your home. You know, I was I was actually really judgy. I was like, you're being dramatic. You're you're in your home. You're fine. And she's like, well, my throat. And I said, Mom, you have allergies. And I think I told her she's been sickly my entire life and it offended her a whole lot. So sorry, Mom. Love you. Um, that was but, bo- that was both of us last Wednesday, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, but, but last one, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to get a COVID test. Like it was, I could almost tell the difference between not to say that you're one of these, you know, people on fear where you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get a COVID test. But I was like, nope, I don't think I need one. I'm cool. I think we even rationalized that on the podcast where I said I was around people I trusted. We were at a distance. I put my mask on. It was really the only thing I did that night. I don't tend to do much else. So I'm not going to get one. So I'm very pleased to hear that you did and your COVID test came back negative. <laughs> Figure I, look, I got the, I took the bullet for the group. And Yes, you did. And you, you, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Like you said, you were around people that you were, you trust, but mm-hmm. the other 80%, the other 90% yes. of the people in that indoor building, you have no idea. So that, um, is, that is reasonable. That is reasonable and fair. We all we all know that we. This is so relatable to like sex stories, whether it's an STD or a pregnancy. And how? All, Come on, all, let me hear that rationale. We all have that friend uh, that like he he convinces like he convinces the girl, or they agree like you know I don't have a condom. It's okay. Things will be fine. Don't worry about it. And then they're <laughs> fucking pregnant. Um, now you know me to be a lot more cautious than that. No, I, pop, no, I, I used to pop plan B, plan B like M and M. I know, but, but <laughs> there are those people, and it's like it's like we went like we trusted our big group, but mm-hmm. we were a small percent of the people in there, mm-hmm. and we don't know. And with all that we've ranted, I figured it was the responsible thing to do. And I mean, I'm not trying. I don't think this is a case of. Um, misusing health insurance or anything like no. that because this is public health. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel bad knowing I didn't have to pay for this to get this test. Better safe than sorry. I also think it was you being an example. So you were, you know, I do think that you um, speak about being responsible during the pandemic and wearing your mask. And I think you also live it. And so I think that there was a fair amount of deliberation in should we go to this should we not go to this and then once we agreed that we were going to go you as somebody that you know you are in the community you know whether you want to call yourself a leader or not I think that it was just an example of you doing the right thing so you felt you know a little uneasy about it so you said let me stay home um, until I can get my COVID test and get my results so let I, I mean I think it was a good example and to that point I didn't go to the toy show on Saturday. You did not. I did not. Um, I bought a bunch of stuff last week. I rarely ever find things there that I want to buy anyway. And mm-hmm. I'm potentially around a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. A guy I know said he went around 2 o'clock and there weren't many people there, which continues to fuel my belief that people are still being super cautious. And when Mm -hmm. I read these polls that say like 60, 65% of people aren't going and doing what they normally would do that, uh, it's just allowed people that you see online everywhere, but other people are still 
hesitant or at the very least being uh, responsible and, and very careful and, and keeping their socializing within their circles. I agree. And I, I mean, I certainly have not gone back to normal as far as the things that um, we I used to do or I have done. I will say I saw my first, um, I had to go. So when we went to Backpacks, Thomas and Sonny came and we needed to get Thomas a chair. So we needed to get him a chair to sit in. So I lived near Bass Pro. So I went in and I saw my first uh, employee that had a little sign that says medically exempt from mm. a mask. <laughs> I didn't even notice it, to be honest. So this person didn't have a mask on, didn't even notice, which which is I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I'm still almost not used to. I'm not used to it. Like, I'm not one of those people where I notice right away if somebody's not wearing a mask, where I feel like when I've forgotten to wear mine, like when I walk out of the office, people look at me like I'm naked. Like, it, I didn't even notice. And um, and then, you know, I did what I needed to do. And then I left and I said, oh, there was that. <laughs> I thought about it after the fact. And I'm just like, mm, interesting. There was, I saw, and I remembered it during the VP debate last week, not to bring this back around to politics, just for a, a COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Pence said, President and I trust the American people to do the right thing. Nope. From the outset, I have not. And I, that is a good soundbite. And it's good in theory, bad in practice. For instance, I was at Monette's today and there was an older gentleman in there who had a nose that made mine look like a cute little baby button nose. <laughs> and it wasn't covered up. Now I get I get big nose life with a mask can be hard. His was big, but like even more important for those nostrils to be covered up. And I'm just over there, I'm looking at the guy and I wanted to take a picture and I be an <laughs> idiot and tweet tweet the VP and go, this is why you can't trust the American people. Because <laughs> the American people don't give a shit about too many too many to keep this going don't care about others end of story that's a great talking point but you cannot trust the american people i mean the entire world knows that like (laughs) like you just we know that even we know that like you just can't that's great that's great way to play to your base you know who feels like america is still the beacon of hope on the hill but um yeah you can't you can't do that um i think we got like two other things here one Here's your trivia question. The first person to text uh, correctly the answer to 419-240-1055 will win some tickets to the zoo. 419-240-1055. What is the first name of Bethany's child? There we go. Um, Do you... So, 10 years or so ago, it was was the beginning of One Direction. Mm -hmm. There was another band at the time who I thought had a better song and their, their group name was the wanted and Mm -hmm. the the song was called glad you came. Do you remember it? Yes. That's actually one of my favorites. Okay. Um, they didn't, they were nothing in, in comparison to one direction they only had, they had glad you came and something sunshine was a half hit, nothing like one direction. So for those that don't know, was it chasing the sun? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Chasing the oh, 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 oh. Uh, here's the one everybody knows. Turn the lights out now. Now I'll take you by the hand. Hand you another drink. Drink it if you can. Can you spend a little time? Time is slipping away. Away from us, so stay. Stay with me, I can make make you glad you came. The sun goes down, the stars come out. 
I didn't do this on the air today because it seemed a little too morbid for a Monday. One of the dudes in the group, his name is Tom Parker, uh, has a geoblastoma. That is an inoperable oh. brain tumor. And he's 32 years old. I've uh, a baseball player I liked as a kid. Um, had that within the last five or seven John years. John McCain had that. Well, I mean, that's terrible, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> but he was awful. Also, he was also very old, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that's where I kind of, I don't mean to shun that away, but this baseball player I liked, he was in his 50s. Mm-hmm. He got better, had something, and then bam, gone. Like this dude, I mean, inoperable. They don't touch this shit. They just wait for you to die. It's fucking awful. That's terrible. That's actually, yeah. So that, I um, learned about that because John McCain had that, but, you know, Megan McCain is on The View, and while I can't stand her, I still, you know, watch. And she had another young lady on who also had uh, glioblastoma, glastoma. Yeah, she had that, and she was, she was like our age. She was in her 30s. And um, I remember she had her on just for awareness and they interviewed her. And then just a couple months ago, Megan congratulated her because she got married. She's like, I'd like to congratulate a former guest to the show. So and so, you know, she's living with this, you know, cancer and she got married, her husband. So congratulations. And then literally three weeks later, she'd like, I'd like to announce she died. Yep. It's awful. Oh, my God. It's absolutely awful. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean that's too bad. I really like that band actually, and yeah, you're, me too. I, you're right. I like them a lot better than One Direction, and I actually still listen to those two songs because <laughs> they're great. Uh, stage four uh, glioblastoma. He was diagnosed six weeks ago. He's currently undergoing radiotherapy and chemo for treatment. And I I don't know if that's just palliative. I would guess he's got no more than and anybody with this has no more than like eighteen months to live, and that's just horrific and awful i knew what um i went to school with a a girl whose brother had it and he passed away when he was like 25 i think and um i was thinking about this the other day because there was a couple there's a couple girls that i know that have survived breast cancer and they're not even 35 and i'm just like i don't understand am i just getting am i older and i'm paying attention more (laughs) like what is it what's happening here but yeah yeah, exactly. He, he had a couple of seizures, went for an MRI scan. Um, that's when they told him the diagnosis. All I could think was, fucking hell, I was in shock. It's stage four glioblastoma, and they said it's terminal. And I'm just, I'm not going to read the rest of that sentence. That's awful. Yeah, that is awful. That is awful. I mean, and it's, it's unfortunate. Obviously, when, uh, we don't know this person, but when my dad got dementia and Alzheimer's, it's like you just want a cure that much more and you don't understand why we haven't gotten one yet. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know how difficult it is. So it's like in your rational mind, you understand why we're still dealing with things like this. But when it comes to your loved one, that rationale goes out the window and you just get angry. Like, why are we why is this still happening? Yep. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James can be the best at his career, at 35, going on 36 years old, thanks to medical science and mm-hmm. the way he takes care of his body. But there's some things we can't solve at all. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman. I mean, how old was he? 37? What was his cancer? Do we know? Uh, pancreatic. Did he have pancreatic? Why did I not? Why did this just dawn on me? I was too worried about... Or it, colon? It was colon cancer. 
It was was colon. it colon? It was colon cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was colon. And you know what? While we're talking about this, you know, did I lose you? Oh, I lost you. Out on you. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if there's ever a bet I would have made that would have allowed me to retire because I figured it was so easy to win. I'd be I would need backpacks for humans because I totally would have bet Alex Trebek would have been gone by now. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't have any words cuz I know we were talking about that not trying not to be in like morbid fashion but we were talking about this when we were on air like when we were on the show on air and before pandemic a whole 20 years ago. Um which I'm happy for it because, <laughs> you know, Alex, that's going to be sad whenever Alex Trebek passes away for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it wasn't looking good for him. And it's never good with pancreatic cancer. Like you, no. you, that has to be the lowest of all the cancers that are fairly common and familiar to people. That has to be the lowest uh, five year survival because mm-hmm. it's probably like one year. It, it, it's awful. Um, yeah. Yeah, if I ever get that or the the brain one, push me in front of a bus. Yeah. Speaking of um, the McCain family, not that it's the greatest news, but I just saw an alert that Roberta McCain passed away, John's mom. 108. I 108. saw that too. 108. Good for her. And also unnatural to outlive your child. But, I mean, at 108, it's to be expected. If you would have said, Eric, I will give you $10,000 if you can tell me within five years how old John McCain's mom is, I would have said dead for 40 years. So um, I played a little game today because I was watching the um, opening statements for the Amy Coney Barrett uh, hearings. Mm-hmm. And I was playing a guessing game at how old the, um, the were they senators? I don't, yeah, how old they are. And I knew how old Dianne Feinstein was, but I didn't know how old like Chuck Grassley was and Leahy and I was taking I was guessing and I was spot on actually but also good on Diane Feinstein because she is quick to be 87 years old and oh, she she's doesn't that look old half, wow she's 87 and she doesn't look half bad there, to be 87 I don't know if it's I think it's on Prime and it's with Adam Driver oh what? God what there's a movie and she is kind of a co-star in it not Diane Feinstein but the character is some cover up and I forget what it was it was a very uh, a very good movie oh sounds interesting it's hold on and here we can do this on the podcast Adam Driver hold on uh, prime movies it's called The Report oh I haven't seen it I've heard of it though yeah what's this thing about? what was the cover up again come on uh, based on Iolistic Senate staffer, leads an investigation in the CIA's post-9-11 detention and interrogation program, uncovering the lengths to which the agency went to hide a brutal secret from the American public. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. It was very good. Was it? Ooh, I might add that to my list. Um, all right. Uh, you sent me the video yesterday morning, <laughs> and uh, I woke up this morning to check an email that said, well, I'll just read from the email because I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And that made me more excited to dive into it. <laughs> so I get this prep email every day, stuff that's hot on the internet. Um, sometimes it's 
worthwhile. Other times, it's not. Is it in here? It should be in here. I can read it to you if you want. Oh, do you have it? Um, not in front of me, but I can get it. Probably not quicker than you, though. I have it. Here we go. The entry is Bill Burr's offensive monologue on SNL ignites Twitter firestorm. His monologue has people talking in it. He referred to white women as his bitches. He said uh, some some audio I'll get to in a second. Uh, he also made fun of the gay community, asking why is June Pride Month in, in comparison to Black History Month being in February? Isn't June a little long of a month for a group that was never enslaved? Um, so I was like, and, and I didn't know at that point whether you had sent that to me because you, you were shocked, appalled, and offended, or... You loved it. Well, I was I was expecting you to respond. Sorry. So, you know, I figured, but then when you didn't, I said, okay, it might be one of those shut-in weekends. So <laughs> I was like, oh, we'll talk about it another time. But actually, I sent it to you um, because I thought it was fantastic, and you and I are pretty aligned with just general sense of humor and what we like, and so I thought you would enjoy it. I'm going to give you the audio in one second. got to do another traffic, okay? Okay. This will be the grand finale. Mm. All right, we're back. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not into comedians. Um, really? I'm not. I, I should be, but I'm not. I know very little about Bill Burr. Um, I know that he was in The Mandalorian last season. He was? He was. Who? What character did he play? He was part of some other mercenary uh, killer types. Oh, and yeah, it was like the sixth or seventh episode of the season. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and watch it now. But oh, oh, you know what? I think I remember. Yeah, they were they were going after him, and then there was some double sidedness. Mm-hmm. And I knew I, I I know the name, but I couldn't tell you about any of his things. I would immediately think, is he one of the people that get that's like gotten canceled, but like Louis C.K. But he's a little younger than the canceled white guys Mm -hmm. so i figured he could play the game a little bit better and much to my pleasure he did and now let me give you some of his monologue how stupid is that cancel thing they're literally running out of people to cancel they're going after dead people now they're trying to cancel john wayne it's like yeah dude god did that 40 years ago (laughs) they're all up in arms they're like, did you hear what he said in that interview in Playboy in 1970? Can you believe that? It's like, yeah. He was born in 1907. That's what these people sounded like. You never talked to your grandparents and brought up the wrong subject, and all of a sudden it went off the rails. Like, oh, oh, grandma. Just keep making the cookies. Yeah, you don't bring up race or religion with your grandparents. You keep it simple. I have a personal story with that because my my Grammy Grammy Weisberg, um, she would use the words the word schwatza a lot. <laughs> that is the Yiddish version of the N word in uh in the Jewish religion, and my my grandmom she she wasn't. Like he said, it's just when she was born. She was not a racist. She didn't look at black people and go to the other side of the street. But when she thought like a black person did something that that was an affront to her, she would say something about the the schwatze. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a Jewish mentally gifted teacher, Mrs. Klein. She expanded on the word schwatze 
and basically used it as like a Smurf fit. Like she made it into a noun. Like, look at the Schwarze on his head. I'm like, the bandana? She's like, that's a Schwarze. I'm like, oh my God, I my, my soul is aching right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you were aware even then. Oh so yeah. Good for you for being woke. Yeah. <laughs> Grammy Weisberg didn't, didn't use the Schwarze word with any white people. I was able to put two and two together when I was very young. I um, didn't, uh, luckily for me, I didn't have too many interactions like that with my grandmother. My grandmother was German, so she moved to the U.S. in, oh, Jesus. How old was mom? Like 12? I don't know. She moved to the U.S. in the 50s. Um, she didn't get into all that. She minded her own business. She didn't really talk a whole lot. She was in the kitchen smoking her cigarette and drinking her tea. So she did not have, I don't, I don't have experiences like that with my grandma, but my father's parents were um of that kind and so it was the it was actually the opposite so it was like if you brought home a, like if you dated a white person and obviously i am of mixed race so <laughs> if you like brought home a white person they would have something to say even my damn dad had things to say about that and i'm like dad your two wives like looked like Diane Feinstein. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, you know what I mean? You, you can't judge, you know, somebody else for dating a white woman when you, in fact, have mixed race children. <laughs> Come on, yeah. pull it together. Um, but so, yeah, we're not we are not um, immune from those kinds of conversations either. But I found it. I mean, I found what he said to be hilarious. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I did. Um, the not to, I, I want to dive into the last two bits here, but this reminds that was like, I'm very fortunate. I, I don't mm -hmm. take for granted, like, the parenting I got. Nobody's parents are perfect. Mm -hmm. um, love my dad dearly. Never take for granted the, the, the integrated and diverse school systems, uh, schools that I, that I went that I went to, so that this, this hate never became woven into my DNA. The first, ter the first time, um, I must have been in, let's see, fourth or fifth grade. I remember reading Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer. Mm. And I had to ask what the N-word was. <laughs> and uh, at that point, <laughs> I, you know, I look back and go, thank God nobody else was flinging this word around. And I, ha I learned it in, in, in a fine piece of literature. I don't think that I ever asked. And I think it's because my dad would say it like in, you know, I grew up hearing him say it in a joking manner, you know, like not in, and not calling anybody that name, but like joking with us about it. So I don't, I mean, I, th I grew up in a pretty interesting household because my mom actually is not a white person. She's black, but she looks like a white person. She is of mixed race, um, but it, it was interesting. So I don't think I ever had the conversation and I don't think I have ever had any experience. My parents didn't have teaching moments with us about that. And so I didn't learn until I was older how many times um, somebody did or said something derogatory about me or my brother because we were black. <laughs> so, and then, and then there was just identity crisis as a mixed race child, but. Did you ever watch the, uh, did you ever watch Arrow? <laughs> no. Mm -mm. So when he gets back from the island, he's got this list and he would say before he like put an arrow in them and nobody ever died on that show, but the first two seasons of Arrow are, are truly great TV. And then it got very CW-ified. Ew. He would say, uh, such and such, you have you have wronged this city. And he would scratch the name on the list. And that's not the exact quote, but it's um, 
You failed this city. Yeah, you failed this city. I imagine you having a list of aggrievements of people who called you and your brothers the N-word that you can go back and shoot an arrow into when you learned that they said these things and they were bad. I, yes, absolutely. And I do have friends. So I have some really lovely friends that come from parts of the country um, that are not as exposed. And I have some friends who have had to apologize to me many times. Like I've had at least three of my girlfriends have to apologize to me for what their parents had done, had, had said, or had, had done to my face, <laughs> you know, not with intent on being hurtful, but just in not being aware or uneducated. I remember, and I, I will share one story where one of my friends, their grandmother, mama, bless her heart. Um, love, I love mama. Um, but she is just an older that she sounds like that sounds like somebody who hurls lots of n words and other. She would never. Things. No, she would never. But I do remember we were. She was having a conversation with us, um, and my friend doesn't listen. So if she if she just so happens to listen, I I mean this with love. But she, we had a conversation. We were talking to her about just the neighborhood where they were from, and she's like, "Well, then all the Muslims moved to town," and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> say that um where she but she didn't say she didn't say muslims she said something else but um yeah that was that was one of the conversations one of the many but there's i I mean there's an intern or part-timer that worked with us in the old show and he had a grandmother named maymaw (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's a southern thing maybe and she was on yes 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 it sounded like 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 the colonel's gizzards were all up in her and I she was on the air with us before and I have never had my finger on the dump button so hot and ready to go before because I could anything that started with the letter N it could have been no or never I was ready to to dump because it sounded now apparently she was the sweetest most loving woman you could ever imagine but I stereotyped her as in like flinging all kinds of slurs I just, I mean, you, I agree. I am not one of those people. And I, I love how Bill Burr was, um, how he joked about it because there's people, um, in millennials in this day, and I'll say millennials that are very much like, I don't care how old your grandparents are. You correct them. You do this, you do that. And I'm just kind of like, no, I mean, my friends that had come and apologized for their family members behavior. I'm like, you guys, it's okay. Like, aunt and uncle grew up in like the backwoods of Kentucky. Why would I expect anything different? You know what I mean? I appreciate you acknowledging it and I appreciate you approaching me about it and feeling really badly, but it, I mean, I get it. And it's like, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to have to correct mama. Like just let mama go on with her 10 more years of life. Right. Like comfortably. Right. She's not <laughs> spreading the hate. Let her die mm-hmm. a happy life. Mm-hmm. It, maybe we can get into it tomorrow uh, because this kind of circles into it's been an awfully quiet Columbus Day. It it has, except I've not not on my social media. I've seen a couple people talking about like I didn't know today was Indigenous People Day, and are you? Well, it's not. It's just got changed because Columbus is all of a sudden offensive. <laughs> I mean, I expect I expected the people that the, the millennial you just hit at. I expected a lot of that today, but I guess everybody is really consume with the election. Maybe we can do that. We can yeah. do that tomorrow because yeah, we've got bigger fish to fry. Um, so the, the last two things here from Bill Burr, uh, white women, 
Mm -hmm. So white women, white women, you're amazing, amazing your accomplishments over the last few years. I got to tell you, the way white women somehow hijack the woke movement, generals around the world should be analyzing this. Just to refresh your memory, the woke movement was supposed to be about people of color, not getting opportunities, the at-bats that they deserved, finally making that happen. And it was about that for about eight seconds. And then somehow, white women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line. It's super funny. I think it was. it's a great joke. And it's a great monologue for Saturday Night Live. But I think some of the reality is a lot of that was fueled by Me Too. You think so? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I can't knock that at all. Like, that, that took far too long to happen. But again, I, does, it doesn't take away from the joke for me. So I looked at, I did not, I was actually really shocked that it was, you know, sometimes I can see, I can hear a joke and I'm like, ooh, that's not going to go over too well. I was actually very surprised that this took off the way that it did because it is, a, it's, a, it's an act. You know what I mean? It is funny and there's truth to it. I found it to be hilarious. I don't, I mean, traditionally black comedians make fun of us black women all the time and we don't have our like, you know, Twitter fingers ready to go after them. You know what I mean? And it, it's just because most of the time what they say is true. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're going on making really insensitive jokes about gays or gay slurs or racial slurs, that's a completely different um, that's a that's a different ballpark, but I don't, I, you know, I didn't find any offense. I'm not a white woman, but I didn't find any offense in what he said. But I will say, I never considered the, you know, the white women that he's referring to. I would not imagine they're wearing Gucci boots, Gucci loafers, and in some sort of SUV. I feel like they are the hippie hipsters getting arrested in Seattle or wherever the fuck that territory is. Oh, where I they're was, still right. You know what I mean? I imagine they're those kinds of. <laughs> I'm going to roll that back a little bit. I imagine they've never been to Seattle. I imagine they've never been within 20, away from 25 miles of their home other than a university. I imagine they frequent coffee shops. They yes. Like, they, like yeah. the, they like the perfect latte and they carefully curate and maintain their Correct. Instagram and Twitter accounts. Correct. So I feel like they're right. I think that we're, I think we're heading in the right direction with this and they're very much that person where me as a black person, I'm explaining to you how I feel about something related to oppression or racial justice. And then you like white explain it <laughs> like, yeah. to me. No, you know, no. And so I think the only people that were offended were the very people he was talking about. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and I think those, I think even some me too people might say to those other people, back off, you have no experience here and this is a real thing. So mm -hmm. Quit worrying about your Twitter account. Um, mm -hmm. I have uh, one more thing from him back to those uh, white women. You guys stood by us toxic white males through centuries of our crimes against humanity. You rolled around in the blood muddy. And occasionally when you wanted to sneak off and hook up with a black dude, if you got caught, you said it wasn't consensual. <laughs> yeah, that's what you did. That's what you did. So why don't you shut up? Sit down next to me and take your talking to. So good. <laughs> that so was my favorite. I don't know if it was just his accent, but he's like, and you take your talking to. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was acknowledging. I think that was him acknowledging that there's a lot of shit that white men perpetuate. 
and you are not innocent in this. Like you don't yeah. just get to, you know, you don't just get to hop on this bandwagon and and ride it, you know, ride it more, drive the bus. You know what I mean? It's just, I found it to be hilarious. Loved Bill Burr in this moment. Don't know how, I'm, I know that he has been controversial, so I don't have a ton to say about his past and his history. And I'm not going to pretend like I looked it up just so that I can give him a, a kudos on what he did. He is married to a black woman. Love that. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean, I laughed from start to finish and that's, those are the monologues that I love. Like that's, that's what I love when you're talking about something relevant and it's just fucking funny. I was watching that earlier this morning when I was texting you on the treadmill at the gym, I was just walking and I was, I'm glad it wasn't busy at the gym because I was, I was laughing really loudly with some of those. I didn't, I should have kept listening. There was one joke that had a groan and I don't remember which one it was, but I think it was about the gays. So I also didn't find that to be offensive. Yeah, Neither did I. And and I actually, I want to ask you, so he said something he was, he was, he said he learned about pride because there were a bunch of guys in New York City standing close together in tank tops. It mm-hmm. was a very funny joke. And then mm-hmm. he went back and said, how come they get such a long month? And mm-hmm. he said, how come Black History Month is only 28 days? And then he said something about July or June being a lot closer to the equator, which might have been the grown joke. But I'm like, you know what? And he said something about uh, the gay people weren't even enslaved. Literally speaking, that is. But uh, one... Why is Black History Month in February? And does he have a point? Should you want a longer month? You certainly deserve it. I mean, I, I would absolutely love for Black History Month to be in June simply because Juneteenth is in June. But yes. yeah, I mean, I, I and it, it's not something that you think about until you're older and it makes you scratch your forehead. But I don't really go much beyond that where I'm like, it isn't lost on me that Black History Month is the shortest month of the year. <laughs> like, what? It's, we have to look this up, and I wonder if whenever that was declared, and maybe mm-hmm. we're, we're way out of bounds here, fine, we'll look it up. Maybe the white dudes got around and were like, hey, we got this short-ass month. Yeah, it's one day longer every four years, but let's let's pacify them with this. It's a short month right. anyway. Like, here, take it. We don't even care. Just and, take it. Just and you know what? It. Right in the middle is Valentine's Day anyway for all the white women. Um, yeah, but... Um, I, I mean, at least what he said about, I did not find, and I, again, if you are somebody, if LGBTQ community, please let me know why you found it offensive. But I just did not, I mean, I think that he was just making fun. I don't think he was saying the gays don't deserve a month, right? you know, or don't need a month. Like he was just making a point that like black people were traditionally come from closer to the equator so they can use the sunlight and the heat and the warmth. Like... <laughs> And while gay people have been terribly mistreated for absolutely centuries, mm-hmm. uh, shackles, chains, cotton, wars, there is a different level there for sure. Mm-hmm. And not that we don't still have a long way to go in both areas. Um, I'm going to plug some of this in. So uh, this is not coming from where the other audio was, but I figure we can get to this and provide some context. Uh, hang tight. Okay. <laughs> been in New York for about a year, you know. I was uh, I was here last year. I was shooting a movie. Had a great time with Judd Apatow, Pete Davidson, and all the guys. Yeah, had a great time. And I hadn't been here in like 13 years, and I immediately noticed how. Ex- By the way, he looks like he looks like the child of if Moby and I had sex. 
how crowded the city was. And I was getting all claustrophobic. I'm like, what's going on? How much some people not using safe sex and making all these babies, you know? <laughs> so I finally walked up to this old New York door guy and I was just like, dude, what's going on? What's with all these people here? And he was just like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. He goes, it's, it's June. He goes, it's Pride Month. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> you know, I'm 52. I never heard of it, right? <laughs> they didn't have that when I was a kid. He goes, oh, it's Gay Pride Month. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> Dude, you know when you're just like stuck in the matrix and you just can't, everything's just pressed up, you can't see anything? And then somebody gives you that little nugget of information that just pulls it back? It's like, why is it so crowded? It's Gay Pride Month. Ah, tank tops, 0% <laughs> body fat, two guys kissing, rainbow flags, ah, I didn't know that, that's what I learned, the month of June is gay pride month, that's a little long, don't you think, <laughs> for a group of people that were never enslaved, there's the groan, how did, oh, how yeah. did they get all in June? People were actually enslaved. They get February. They get 28 days of overcast weather. Sun goes down at four in the afternoon. Everybody's shivering. Nobody wants to go on the parade. Look, yeah. How about you hook them up with July? These are equator people. Give them the sun for. Amazing. I mean, I feel like he got a slow clap where the audience was like, oh, you he look has your, a point. You, you okay. look left and right and go, well, they're clapping. They're up, 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 yeah. It was like, oh, okay, all right. I just did not, I don't know what, it, maybe I was more, maybe I was more pleased at how entertained I was that I'm like, I did not find, I didn't, I didn't pick up on those points. And I feel like sometimes I can really pick up on those points and I'm just like, meh, you know, white women, it, it's a fact. There are a lot of you, whether it's not you or you, your, your, your family member or a friend or somebody you went to college with is probably this acts that way. So, <laughs> And you know what? To me, we're prisoners of the moment because that's just how we are. Humans are so damn emotional. I didn't find any of that more offensive than I thought Chris Rock's joke about like 200,000 people being dead mm -hmm. and some of the things that he worked in his monologue last week, which we are in the moment right now and people are actively currently dying every single day and he had some cracks there, but these dudes are pros. They, they know where the line is. They know what their setting is. So. I caught some of the skits. I tried to watch it this morning while I was getting ready and I caught some of the skits and I found them. I didn't watch really the Kamala um, Mike Pence one because I, I was bored but with it um, but some of the other ones I thought were pretty funny and it was very COVID centered and I said if this is the heat that SNL is giving us this season I'm here for it I will spend more time watching it I was very happy with it no no offense because I feel like SNL had a lull and mm -hmm. then I, I guess that lull was hold on I'm going to readjust myself Oh, hanging to the, hanging a little low. Um, no. <laughs> it was it was hard in the in the mid to late nineties. You had some generational superstars, like back in the early days mm -hmm. of SNL, um, and the the Sandlers and Mike mm -hmm. Myers and Chris Farley and Chris Rock. Like that was a legendary cast. And then I feel like we had a lull, and then we just accepted SNL for what it was and. I got in the habit of, if it's good, I'll watch it the next day. But 
you know, you and I could write them for could write for them this season between the election, the unrest that will come with it, the pandemic. And uh, that's it. I mean, it all really writes itself. They were given comedy gold with all this, sh- this shit show that was 2020. Um, I agree. but And I don't normally watch SNL, but I, th- I feel like the entertainment is really hitting. It's hitting a high point for me. It's, it's, and it's entertaining me. It's, really, it's something that I want to like, share. So I'll text you and say, hey, did you see this? Watch this. This was really funny. Where I didn't do that last year. You know what I mean? So... Um, well, yeah. you're, you're two for two so far, so well done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Right. All right, well, we're done. Have a, a good rest of your night. Here come the storms, so get sunny and peaty outside early. And I'm going to uh, go finish Bly Manor. How many are you in? Six. All right, well, I'm done three, and I didn't bring it up, but and I, I didn't want to bring it up because I don't want you to ram Lovecraft Country down my throat. But I will we, will, we will do Bly Manor before, but three in, I'm very delighted. I am as well. And I do not ram Lovecraft Country down anybody's throat, but it's lovely, and they covered the Tulsa Massacre on this episode. I know, I know. But Bly um, Manor is also very good, and I'm like, I sit there like close to the TV, like, oh my God, this is so good. It's, it's, I've always wanted to like American Horror Story, but I always bail out because I feel like Ryan Murphy is taking a buzzsaw to my face where <laughs> this is more sensual and it's like stroking my cheek the whole time. It is freaking me out a little bit, but I, it, um, it gets a little bit more subtle as it goes on. So um, I get nightmares. I mean, I just do as a 30 year old that still gets nightmares. So I have to be careful with stuff like this, but I'm enjoying Bly Manor. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to power through it tonight. We'll compare notes tomorrow. Cool. Bye. Bye.